don't look back because the market is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harris here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all had a great long weekend out there. Our markets certainly seem pretty rested after, uh, I guess, the extra day off yesterday uh, added a little bit to today's market action because it was you know, a little bit of a rough end. Last week was a rough week, no doubt about it. Uh, but we finished mixed on Friday, but we did hit 52-week lows from both the Dow and the S&P 500 on Friday. So good to see a strong rebound to start off the week this week. Uh, you know, kicking off the week with with some good action always makes you feel a little bit better. Uh, but got a lot of topics from the long weekend that we want to cover here today. Uh, so we're going to be covering some signs here that we're seeing that we're at least due for a big bear market rally here. Uh, we've seen improvement from the internals, continued improvement from the lows of last week. Uh, other signs here, you know, as from the more broad economy as a whole, why we're really not calling for a recession here, and namely because of the strength that we've continued to see from the housing market uh, and homeowners as a whole, uh, you know, telling us this won't be like 2008. We're also seeing some interesting developments in the crypto market and a whole lot more as well. So jumping right into today's action, as I mentioned, both the Dow and the S&P hit 52-week lows on Friday. We finished well off of those lows, but there's really no doubt with a reading like that that we're in a bear market right now. You know, a few other examples of that. Bear market technically is a 20% drawdown from the high. We don't like labels uh, very much here, but this certainly qualifies for that as we've seen the NASDAQ fall as much as 34% from its 52-week high. The S&P got down as much as 24% from its 52-week high and small caps also dropping 32% from their 52-week high. But we've really been saying this for months here and really going back almost to the beginning of the year is that the reality of this, and I think we even covered it some at the end of 2021, the reality is that we've been in a bear market underneath the surface for quite some time, right? It just took our major indexes some time to really recognize that. It's because under the surface, whether it's small caps or tech, a lot of these stocks peaked as early as you know the beginning of 2021. You know, we look at like Kathy Wood's arc peaked in February of 2021. A lot of these, um, you know, some of the previous high flyers during coronavirus insanity that have gotten massive sell-offs since February of 2021. But take a look at this. Uh, which really tells you exactly how bad it's been. So you heard me say what the indexes have done. Now take a look at the average drawdown for stocks in the NASDAQ and the Russell 2000. The average drawdown has been 42%. Keep in mind, that's the average. A lot of these stocks have been down 50, 60, 70% from their highs of last year. So that's what we're talking about when you see a saying, you know, bear market under the surface, because our markets didn't peak until either the beginning of 2022, uh, the NASDAQ peaked in late 2021. But again, 
And some of these under the surface names have been beaten up for much longer than that. So the good news now is that we're starting to see signs that maybe we're, we're getting close to a bottom. And at least for right now, we're at extreme, extreme oversold conditions on our VRA momentum oscillators. And at the very least, that tells us the market could catch a big bear market rally from here. And in reality, if it doesn't, then that's a sign that we could be headed a lot lower. But not to sound wishy-washy here, we think that this rally will last going forward from here. And another reason why we see a big rally going from here is that as bear markets go on, the longer that they last, the bigger bear market rallies become. So now roughly, this would be the fourth squeeze of this bear market that we've seen. And the fourth squeeze looking back from to 2002 and to 2008, this fourth squeeze rally was a big 21% rally in 2002 and a 19% rally in 2008. Uh, so, you know, that's the kind of thing that we think we have to look forward to here. Could last days, could last a couple of weeks. Um, but again, we're not exactly calling for the bottom here, but it certainly could be a possibility. And a couple more examples of just how oversold this market is. I mean, some of these are pretty shocking. You know, going into this week, only 2% of S&P 500 companies were above their 50-day moving average. Historically, those are washout levels there. There's only two other instances uh, that this indicator has been this low in the past 20 years. It was March of 2020. As we all know, the market bottomed, went on to its massive bull market rally that just ended you know, at the end of last year, beginning of this year, and October of 2008. And then secondly here, positioning in US equity futures, specifically the S&P 500, has reached its second lowest level in 12 years. The only uh, reading that was lower, also March of 2020. So bottom line here, we are in a bear market, Short-term moves, you know, for risk's sake, should be treated like bear market rallies. They're very, they've been very tradable uh, bear market rallies, though. But that's just until we've been proven otherwise and we're starting to look like the coast is clear. But overall, we continue to believe that we've started the bottoming process here. And, and bottoming processes can be very messy. So... In the past, when we've reached these levels of oversold, as I've, as I've said, they're typically significant stock market bottoms. We're also seeing it in sentiment indicators as well. We talk about this here often. The fear and greed index still in extreme fear mode here. We didn't get quite down to the readings of a two or a three that we saw in 2020, 2018, but we, I, we got right around a 10 or so, maybe just below a 10 in the fear and greed. And then the AAII came in below 20% bulls again last week. Now, you probably heard us talk about this statistic quite a bit. That's only happened 10 times in this survey's history. And 100% of the time, in 6 to 12 months later, our markets have gone on to rally roughly 13% over the next 6 months and 23% over the next year. Now, the interesting thing about that is we first broke below 20% bulls 
uh, in April of this year. If you look at the performance from one to three months after breaking below 20% bulls, it typically is a messy one to three months before our markets start to take off again. So you know, we're right at that about three month mark here. Uh, so given that everything happens faster in today's world uh, with tech and the internet and everything uh, that comes with it, bear markets can end very quickly and bull markets can begin very quickly. We're also coming up now on the end of the month, which is not only the end of the month, but the end of a quarter. Now, at the beginning of every month, fresh fund flows come in from pensions, retirements, all kinds of different things. And we're now also going to have the end of a quarter here. Uh, so, you know, we see a lot of, of big fund flows coming into this market, which could just add fuel to the fire here. So let's take a look at our market action on the day today. We finished higher across the board. The NASDAQ led the way up just over two and a half percent to 1,000, or sorry, 1,000, 11,069. And that's exactly what you want to see. Tech leading the way. And to add to that, the semis were up even more today, up roughly 2.8%, I believe. Let's see a final read, 2.83%. Uh, it's exactly what you want to see is the semis outperforming tech as a whole. Next up was the S&P 500, up 2.45% to 3,764. Next up, the Dow Jones up 2.15%, a nice 640-point rally to 30,530. And lastly, the Russell 2000 up 1.7% 1 to 1,694. Looking now at our internals on the day today, at about midday today, it looked like a really, really strong day. We had roughly 90% upside volume on the NYSE and 5 to 1 advancing to declining stocks. We didn't quite finish there on the day. Uh, you know, we finished uh, just, you know, got a little bit of a weak smart money hour. Wouldn't even call it that week really, uh, but you know, not fantastic. Uh, but we did come in positive for our two major readings on the internals. Uh, I'll get to 52 highs and lows in a second, but advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks, just over two and a half to one positive for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ. New 52 week highs and lows. You know, this is a reading is a bit of a lagging indicator, right? If you're in a bear market, of course, you're gonna be having more 52-week lows than 52-week highs, but this is significantly better than last week where we saw a combined over 2,000 stocks hitting 52-week lows. Today was much better. We had 46 stocks hitting 52-week highs to a combined 363 stocks hitting 52-week lows. So, hey, we'll, we'll take it. Lastly, volume. Strong day here, uh, like I said, finished with roughly 80% upside volume today uh, for the NYSE and uh, just under three to one positive for the NASDAQ as well. So good to see two out of our three major readings there come in positive. Now looking at our VRA sector watch, this is where I wanted to cover the housing information. Uh, we wrote about this to our members this morning. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, I highly encourage you to go join our two free week trial right now, if not just for this, these pieces of data, because I'm just going to briefly touch on this. Uh, we covered it in depth in this morning's update, but we all know housing is crucial to the U.S. economy. And here at the VRA, we use this as a leading economic indicator. And we continue to get this question over and over again, um, hearing it all the time now of, 
you know, whether or not the housing market, given how far it soared, is in a similar predicament to the financial crisis. Uh, you know, everybody's been talking about how hot the housing market has been. Mortgage rates are now on the rise. And we're, they're wondering if we're going to get a crash that could be an opportunity for them to, to buy a home, whether it's a first-time home buyer or somebody looking uh, to move to a new home. So overall, I mean, that's a complicated topic. But when you hear people talking about buying a house uh, instead of, oh, should I get rid of mine now? You know, that already in and of itself gives you a little bit of that bullish backdrop. But we've got a few reasons here why we see this is totally different from what we saw in 2008. So first off, we all know housing prices have soared, which means that homeowners have newfound equity that they didn't have before. And we're seeing that they haven't tapped that equity yet, meaning that homeowners now have record amounts of equity to tap into to the tune of $11 trillion collectively this year. That is a 34% increase from a year ago, just not what we were seeing in 2008. At the same time, the leverage in the housing market, so how much debt the homeowner has against the home's value, that has also fallen dramatically. Total mortgage debt in the United States is now less than 43% of current home values. That's the lowest on record. Again, completely different from the almost negative equity that we saw before. That is virtually non-existent compared to 2008 when roughly one in four borrowers were underwater. So, excuse me, 2011. Right now, that number is just at 2.5%. Remember, one in four were at that level in 2011. So, that provides a huge cushion uh, to a potential downturn here. Also, mortgage delinquencies, one of the major factors people looked at in, you know, when you think about the big short, what people were looking at, uh, you know, going into the housing crisis. Well, right now, just under 3% of home mortgages are past due. That number is actually lower than it was pre-pandemic. We saw a few more delinquencies tick up uh, at, shortly after the pandemic, but that again, that number has come down to pre-pandemic levels, pre-pandemic lows. So again, the biggest problem then is home affordability, which is at record lows, but as we've seen mortgage rates on the rise, um, you know, New supply coming online, I don't know about where you live, but here in Texas, building like crazy as much as they can with supply chain issues, which should clear themselves out as well. So also easing this supply chain shock that we've seen in housing. So overall, from those stats, you can see that unless something major happens to crack the U.S. market here, we just don't see a 2008 type of scenario. Now we could have a very different scenario from 2008, certainly, but housing doesn't look like it'll be the culprit that it was before. We certainly feel like we're on firm footing here uh, with housing. So next up, let's take a look at the rest of our sectors on the day. Today, we finished higher across the board here. All 11 S&P 500 sectors finished higher on the day. We were led by energy, followed there by consumer discretionary, consumer uh, staples, and healthcare. Our laggards on the day, if you want to call them that, still up nice in materials, up 1.47%. Communication services up 1.62%. Industrials up nearly 1.8%. So good day across the board for our sectors. 
And finally for today, our VRA Commodity Watch Gold. Now down on the day, just below its 200-day moving average, down about three-tenths of 1% to 1,834 an ounce. Excuse me. <coughs> Silver now down 0.39%, or excuse me, up 3.9%, there we go, to $21.67 an ounce. Copper higher on the day as well by about half a percent to $4.02 a pound. And lastly, oil up 1.5% to $109 a barrel. Finally for today, Bitcoin, as I mentioned earlier, got an interesting story here. Uh, you know, we just put in 52-week lows over the weekend. Not sure if you saw Bitcoin over the weekend. It broke below 20K, hit a low of 17,630. That's the lowest level in Bitcoin since December of 2020. This is about the levels where people start saying, oh, Bitcoin is dead. And we start hearing that previously, it's been a great buying opportunity for Bitcoin. It's now rebounded back up 1.15% on the day to day to 20,689. But here's what I found most interesting is that we found out today that ProShares, the ETF creator, is launching an inverse Bitcoin ETF. It's launching this week. Interestingly enough, eight months ago, right around the time that Bitcoin peaked in November, this was launched in October, the first ProShares Bitcoin ETF, the ticker symbol BITO. Bitcoin peaked less than a month after that, that was launched. So it almost marked the top there, right? So if the launching of a Bitcoin ETF almost launched right at the top, what could an inverse ETF possibly signal to our market? Again, we look at this as, uh, you know, interesting timing here. Not saying that a bottom is in today. Uh, you know, the top was in a few weeks after it was launched. Could be really interesting timing though. Uh, this is one group, Kip got really bearish on cryptos at the beginning of this year. I took a little longer to jump on board with that, but sold my cryptos earlier in the year as well. And, you know, it might be too soon to say here, but this is, these are the levels where we start to get interested here in cryptocurrencies again, at least as a trading vehicle. Still got a lot of unanswered questions um, about, you know, some of these other cryptocurrencies out there, uh, but certainly we're starting to get interested here again. So folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com, click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.